Yes. You are now listening to the sounds of Sports Reports is Ordered. And yo, everybody welcoming this, welcoming that. Tua wasn't welcome in the first place. How we welcome him back? You know what I'm saying? That man like that. act like. I like what you did like, there. Yeah. It's a movement, baby. Biggest movement since Dipset. But like we acted like this man didn't live in Alabama. I went to Alabama in the winter, in December. It gets cold down there. There ain't no excuse for what I saw Saturday night. And we gonna get to that. You know what I'm saying? But along with talking about the playoffs, you gotta have some overreaction. And I think I got an overreaction for you. Then of course, we're gonna talk about some NBA. And then Mr. Logical asked me a question this morning. He didn't say it in, the, in these words. It's my words. But <laughs> what's up with the coaches transfer portal? Questions, questions, questions that need answers. But as I said, I said his name, so I might as well introduce him. New Jeruz. Hold it down. Air Force vet. Dedicated father. Virginia bread. Even kill. You'll never (laughs) shake him up. Never. Won't happen. He is Mr. Logical. I am the eccentric, eclectic, <laughs> charismatic, adjective, let's go, numerologist, <laughs> two five, and we gonna get this thing started, we get it off my chest, and you know what's funny about that, we didn't even talk about get it off my chest, so didn't. like, I I don't even know who going first. I don't even know like what's going down. I'll go first. My same okay. complaint I have all the time, man. Like, okay. like these referees at every level, college, basketball, NBA, NFL. I just like they gotta come up with something. You got it. We gotta come up with a better plan. Either the, the referees that are on the field have to be as athletic as the participants because a lot of times, even with youth sports, I notice some of the older referees in basketball, they go from the corner to half court. The other one goes from the other half, like that side to that corner, and they just work <laughs> this way. They don't go all the way up and down the court. So that's always a problem because you're calling files from way back here. You don't see and then are calling out of bounds calls, you know, see it. Now the ref is like the coach is getting mad at the refs and now the refs calling the technicals and, you know, freshman basketball game because you aren't adequately managing the space. It's like, oh, these guys are young. We only need two refs. Well, if you 54 and you chasing 14 year olds, you need to be in position. It's the same thing in the NFL. And I know that it was like I talked to my dad about this when I was younger. Like, why the refs always so old? They were like, well, they figured you know, older people make more, like, wiser decisions. A lot of times it's out of place. You talked about it in the Buffalo game when George Pickens was trying to make a catch in the corner, a fan threw a snowball from the stands. Now, the ball is coming there. Like, why is it to the point where they're not seeing that? Or not not being able to confer on the field because that one pass that Fry, like Fry move was held 
not no, there was like they call holding on I think it was like Dalton Kincaid or Dawson Knights, one of the guys running the out route. Well, the right. when they call pass interference, mm-hmm. that was that was the it flag. The flag looked, yeah, it was uncatchable. So they talk, 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 and then end up calling holding because it looked like it was gonna be pass interference because at the time the throw, the flag came, but they were like, Oh, it's holding. I was like, Well, he's holding her from a pass that he couldn't get to anyway. So in that conference, like, well, he wasn't gonna get to that ball no matter what. Why call a holding call? So it's and I think the rules, the rules don't help the refs either because now they have to call more stuff that's more impactful, which then makes it look like they're putting their imprint on the game more than they should, on top of the times when they are in the way. Like a holding call shouldn't be an automatic first down. If it's third and 20, I get a holding call, it should be a five-yard penalty. We play third down. You get another shot to get this 20 yards. You shouldn't get a free 10 yards or free first down simply because of a holding call or illegal contact. Every wide receiver runs into a corner. If he doesn't brace himself, he's going to get run over. Now he's not getting paid. His family's not eating because every time they run a stop route in front of him, he gets bumped and fall down. Well, I can't use my hands to stop him, which is a five-yard automatic first down. So you got a guy third and 20, run right into a linebacker and turn around. There's a go up, legal contact. So I think the rest, the rules, it's 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 not a marriage. It's like when you call a running play, it should be blocked a certain way so that the running direction works. It feels like they have they're calling these plays, but the impact of the referee is making it look way worse. Like the rest, like I'm trying to call it straight up. So I got a call if you hit the quarterback in the head or if he slides. But there should be some kind of nuance. Like, listen, if the tackler was already in position to make the tackle and you slid, then it's a no call. If he hits you on the head, but if he lands on your stomach when you slid, you're already on the ground. It can't hurt that bad. But if he hits you on the head, okay, then the penalty is there. But you can't do what Josh Allen did, fake the slide a la Kenny Pickett in the ball game a couple years back, and then make the guy hold up and then run for a touchdown, and then later slide late when Miles Jack was already coming to make the tackle. Once again, the refs making the call. We want to blame everything on the refs, but the rules are putting them in a bad position. So I think we need to marry the rules to the flow of the game and not to the flow of fantasy football because you want to get points. That's my that's my two cents on it. You know, I was it was confusing to me because I was watching this was week 17. I was watching the Packers in the Bears, and there was a play where Justin Fields slid, and the defender came through with the people's elbow. And basically, like, banged his head into the turf and everything, and they didn't call anything. So I went back and looked at it a few times, and first of all, it was egregious. Second of all, there were people all over Twitter saying, or X, saying that Justin Fields didn't get a uh, roughing call or a uh, one of those calls all year on the slide. Now, I don't know that to be true or not, but I saw that from a lot of people. And it doesn't surprise me because we had the same conversation centered around Cam Newton when Cam he was Newton, still, yep. you know, when he was still playing. So the Denver you know, game. Remember the Denver yeah. game? When he was, yeah. So, so what we've learned is that the quarterbacks are the cash cows, the quarterbacks, you know, baseball chicks dig the long ball football. It's all about the quarterback. So I understand to some degree why you want to have rules in place to protect the quarterback. That just wasn't the moment. You know, that just wasn't the moment. Josh Allen started this slide after Miles Jack 
and you know, it's third down and he's short of the line of game. Right. So once again, you the referee, the, the way you allow these rules to be written and interpreted and called through throughout the past few years, you impacted because Pittsburgh had already blocked one field goal. Right. The holder was is the punter. He's hurt. I'm not sure if they put a backup holder in when they kicked the next field goal. But now there is potential. It's windy. It's cold. Now if they have to kick the field goal from there, you never know what happens. Right. You know, Pittsburgh has a chance, and they have a chance because they played sound defense. They had to spy on. So they did everything in their power to affect the game with their athleticism. But it was legislated away from them. And I know I'm using the Pittsburgh game as an example, but those had the those game that game was probably the closest game of the weekend. I know Detroit and and LA had a couple of calls, just a couple of like well, that's a whole different conversation. I thought, I thought Matt Stafford died on the field for a second. You know what I mean? It was, <laughs> it was a couple of times, but you, you know, you never know. If you got an offensive lineman pushing a 300 pound dude in the back, it's only he can't just stop on a dime. Right. And if and if one guy's hitting Stafford one way and the other guy's getting pushed into him, it, it happens. But you know, those plays where you're tugging and pass interference and things of that you got to call it. But and those those bang bang judgment plays, given those given that call, essentially giving that call to Josh Allen on that late slide, cost Pittsburgh their next opportunity at the game. I'm saying right. it's going it to cost them the game, but it cost them definitely cost them the next opportunity. And they needed it. Sure it. It deflated them because. Buffalo scored a couple of plays later, and then people will say, "Oh, well, they scored anyway; it didn't matter." I'm like, no, well, they would have had to kick a field goal, right? If that was the case, right? So, yeah, like um, Pittsburgh needed all the stops they could get because that offense was having to work, you know. So, like, it, it changed the game in some ways because that was Pittsburgh's chance to try to get possession and tie the game up. So it's not as if they were down 14 and we're like, oh, hey, they had an opportunity to cut it to one score. Like you literally took away any chance that they had to win the game at that point. Yeah, so it was it was not it wasn't enough time left. Grant, yet yeah, you don't throw red zone interceptions in the first half. You're not in this position. But in the same sense, the fumble, you know, that Pickens had and, and uh, Friar Muth almost had another one. Yeah, that was close. You know? But it yeah. bounced off his face mask when his foot was out of bounds. It's, that's I know you hate that. But I hate at it. least at least that's a definitive line. I like, hate it hey. as much as I hate the whole. You know, remember we watched the Kansas City, yeah. yeah, and yeah. and uh, they made the interception, the and AJ contact. Brown touched his foot, and they were like, "Oh, he's down by contact," and I'm like, "He didn't even get contacted. He initiated the, rule, the contact." The rule I hate the most. I know people hate the fumble out of the back of the end zone. Like our yeah, I, hate that too. I hate that too. I no, I think that's fine. Don't fumble the ball back in the zone. You shouldn't get it back. I hate, if the runner, I, hate the bl- I hate break the plane. I like break the plane. I, I don't like, like the plane. You know, the kickoff out of bounds when the ball is close to the sideline and the returner runs and stands yeah, out of bounds, just, touches the yeah. ball. I yeah. hate that rule. I have no idea why it's in you place. know what I hate. I hate when these dudes just don't catch the kickoff anymore. You know, they don't what I'm even saying? try. Like, they don't even try. They just let it wave everybody off. Like you know, <laughs> that's yeah, how you so, want to see. I'm running everything back. You see that Devin y'all get Devin Hester's on the Hall of Fame ballot. I'm running every kickoff back. Y'all get eight get out of my chest in one. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, so my get it off my chest. 
You know, saying I stole a little bit of this idea, so I'm gonna give credit where credit is due. You know, my guy, you know, El Residente, you know, from the hot box, Rajon Lewis, he came up with the hashtag boycott peacock, you know, but I wanted to talk about that for a second because y'all make me sick. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Every time all I hear from everybody that I talk to, this person screwed me. They did this. They're greedy. All they care about is money. X, Y, Z. They did me wrong. And you had a chance Saturday night to make a statement that Wu-Tang Clan ain't nothing to fuck with. And <laughs> Peacock got out here and said, yo, we're exclusively. Now, it's one thing if this is a regular season game. You know what I'm saying? It's one thing if this is a preseason game even. You know, but a playoff game. We are going to exclusively hold this game on a paid service that not everybody has. So I was like, okay. Now, I was in College Station. You know, I was taking, you know, taking my baby out. You know, she about to start school this week, you know, and uh, get her some stuff for her apartment. We went to Chili's and they had the TV on and I saw Chiefs and Dolphins and I was like, oh, Chili's paid for Peacock? Like, I mean, it's only $5, whatever. But I was like, Chili paid. But then they were watching NBC and then when it cut off, Wheel of Fortune came on. You know, so I was sitting there doing my due diligence on my stream, not watching Peacock. So then I get on Facebook, I get on X, go down the timelines, and everybody's like, I got my cousins logged in. My my cousins log in. Oh, yeah, it's only five dollars. I'm not worried about it. And you know, full disclosure, I got Peacock, but it's only for the WWE network. I don't watch no fucking <laughs> Peacock. You know, so, so so then I wake up yesterday and I see 23 million people watch that game on Peacock. And this is like, this is the start. This is how it starts. They put Thursday Night Football on Amazon. You know, I had no idea that it wasn't on a regular channel until my dad told me maybe like week three this year. Yeah. Because I've had Amazon Prime for so many years. I had no idea that I thought it was on Amazon Prime and a regular no. cable channel. No. Yeah, because last year it was on Amazon Prime and NFL Network or, or CBS, one of them. I think it was CBS. I think, and, yeah. But they did, they moved it this year to exclusively to Amazon. So with that one, I'm like, okay, a lot of people probably have Amazon because of the perks that come with being an Amazon Prime subscriber. Got it. But I'm like, Peacock. Who the hell watches Peacock? Y'all sitting up in here watching Twisted Metal? You know what I'm saying? I episodes of Office are still on it. And that's fine. I mean, I, I, I ain't going to lie to you. I might want to watch Megan. You know what I'm saying? But that's about <laughs> it. You know what I'm saying? And I watch WrestleMania. You know what I'm saying? But this is the problem. Every year, y'all go out here. Y'all complain. Madden is the same game. 2K is the same thing. And us old folk like me, we're like, yo, they don't even make 2K for me no more. It's all about the park and the wreck. I'm just trying to get my GM on and win some NBA titles. So, you know, so there's my declaration. I'm not buying Madden no more. I'm not buying 2K no more. As Bomani Jones would say, I'm off that narcotic. I am 2-5. I approve this message, and that is my get it off my chest. <laughs> hey, I see. I, I'm not sure why the NFL is doing everything they can to just bleed 
more money out of the pocket because they kid. Because they kid. Just like everybody, like we gonna get we gonna get into the coaches later. But like when we talk about the transfer portal, everybody's like, it's ruining college football. It is. You ain't gonna stop watching it though. You know what I'm saying? You just make it up. What, what is it? Uh, who said? I think it was Pat Poos. You just Dougie freshing it, making noise with your mouth. You know what I'm saying? That's all you doing. <laughs> Bitching and complaining, and you ain't going to do nothing about it. Yeah, I'm over much. it. I'm over it. Now, you know what I'm saying? We got to get into it. Uh-oh. Hold on. I got to do some editing here. I got an extra I in there, but you know what I'm saying? <laughs> or extra C or something. I got something extra in there. But uh, playoff overreaction time, you know, saying so, Mr. Logical, go ahead and get us started. Playoff overreaction. All right, so we'll start with Saturday, Houston. Uh, I was out at a pottery class on Saturday, so I, I missed the Houston game. I made a nice little ramen bowl. I should get it in about a month. It's pretty dope. Like, add little chopstick holes and everything in it. It was pretty dope. So, anybody... One nice little date night pottery class. That's the move. Oh, uh, yeah. I did that a couple of months ago, man. I'm telling I'm still living off it. Of, I'm still eating off of that. Yeah. So I got the bowl, like I got the ramen chops and holes in it. Yeah. It was legit. Every, every time somebody football. come over here, she pull out them shot glasses that, that look <laughs> like shit, but it don't even matter because it's the thought that counts. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, sometimes you gotta do what you gotta do. But so I was getting updates from you, and I got an update from you that said pick six, 31-something. and then yeah, 31, 14, check, yeah. Yeah, and before <laughs> I was able to check it, I got another one opening it up, and that's when I saw 31-14, up 38-14, two pick sixes. So I was like, well, I'm glad I'm not missing a competitive game. It was, you know, CJ Stroud's, like, breakout game, but – you know, if you think about it, he did the same thing against Georgia in the playoffs last year where people thought, like, we didn't know he could play like this. And he just he just seems to have it. And we're going to get into guys who don't and what happens to the team if, if that's the case. But he seems to have it. Right. Uh, but I think people are going to be apt to to want to pick Houston going forward. I think people are going to want to try to maybe pluck a people some people from their staff or their coaching positions, I would say calm down. I think that's going to be the biggest thing. People are going to be trying to just kind of pull pull people from the Houston staff or you're going to start getting a lot of bandwagon fans. I was talking to this girl. She's she's from Houston. And I was like, so, you know, you're going to be – you can ride the roof of Houston now. She's like, nah. I, was like, I wasn't a fan. And then when I was living in Houston, I'm not going to be a fan now that I moved out. But – that's just the thing it is. I think they're going to get a lot of fans, and it's going to be a good story. I think they might be able to run the AFC South. It's going to be between them and the Colts the next few years, so I'm with it. Ooh, but I think the Trevor Lawrence disrespect. Is, listen, you had you had your opportunity. You, you didn't you didn't capture it. But yeah, what is one of your one of your overreactions? <sighs> My overreaction is. Is it time for two to go? Because, like, this is where we are. You know, uh, we talk about we'll get to Dallas, obviously. 
you know, where everybody's talking about doom and gloom. Is it time to blow it up? You know, all this kind of stuff like that. I'm not saying Miami needs to blow it up. I'm not saying Mike McDaniel needs to be fired. I just wonder if Tua can ever get them over the hump because this is not just necessarily relegated to this playoff game. But if we go back through the regular season, even what like Dallas was the only team, you know, that they beat with a winning record or something like that, you know, yeah, I believe uh, Dallas was the only team with a winning record. So subsequently only playoff you know, team. You, you, you lost both chance. games to Buffalo. Yeah. You had the chance. You had the chance to win your de- now, you know, butterfly effect, right? If they beat Buffalo with last week, or two weeks ago, with everything that happened, they're playing against Pittsburgh at home this past weekend versus playing in a blizzard, or not even a blizzard, but just playing in an Arctic blast. An I guess. Ice, ice, ice storm. Yeah. Playing on Antarctica. The fourth, the fourth Antarctic coldest game, the fourth coldest game in NFL history. You know, uh, lost Miami as a franchise had lost their last 10 games where the weather was under 40 degrees. You know, so at 11 now. And when I looked at him, he just didn't even want to be there. Like, you know, we were talking about Philly. Like, people have been talking about Philly. Like, have they checked out? How many players are actually playing? You know, all that stuff. Like, when I saw Tua Saturday night just waiting for the snap, it was literally like, here we go. You know, when I saw Mike McDaniel on the sideline, he literally looked annoyed and confused that he even had to be there. I think it's it it probably I've worked outside in the flight line out here in Jersey on some of those cold nights that real feel negative twenty out there. Did you, did you get paid millions of dollars to do it? It's not about getting paid; it's about <laughs> being outside in this extreme cold and and working and trying to focus. If you if you fight. did we the right thing at your job, were you going to win a trophy? Were you going to win the Lombardi Trophy? Well, we did the wrong thing because it was so cold. We missed, you know, we lost <laughs> focus and we ripped the wires out. <laughs> And then the next day they briefed me to say it looked like someone cut the wires on now. We didn't cut them. Uh yeah, we forgot to take those leads off. So when we started lowering this 200 pound glass, the wires ripped. So my bad, but it was like negative 20 degrees outside and the heater car kept breaking. So you're just out there just suffering. So you you, you soldier through and you and you get there. What I think, and somebody said this, I want to believe it was on the Rich Eisen show, and he said something along the lines he wanted to get uh like a report, he had a either reporter or quarterback, like a quarterback that normally comes and corresponds. He said he, he was talking to him about Mike, the McDaniel system and how it fits Tua. Whereas he said he's going to get him and talk to X's and O's. And I said this before it's if Tua can't get to the first read immediately, it's hard for him to get to the second read because I don't think his arm talent. Can because normally the first read is right on the front side, like right in his line of vision because it's so quick. Most of them the flat HN on a, on a you know on the dig route or whatever. Right. Uh, you know you got Waddle on the slant. You know it's it's super quick right there because he's left handed is right here. Right. So that's like two and a half seconds. It's normally very very fast. Like the play action, all the motion it's just to get him this window, get the ball to your first read, which is what every quarterback is supposed to say. Like Peyton Manning said. 85% of the time, if the first read was open, I threw it. That's why it's called the first read. But if it's not open, he can't really reset 
and get the ball backside consistently. Whereas Mahomes, Kelsey's not there. Watson's not there. MVS, maybe I can get this post. Or maybe I just reset, slide, 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 and I can make the you know extended play to Josh Allen throw to Lamar Jackson throw. I think that's Tua's problem is that his Chad Pennington kind of arm is limited. No matter is it's just some you're physically limited. Like I said, I'm five foot eight and a half. Right. I'm physically limited what I can do in any kind of athletic realm. No matter how smart I see it, no matter how I can break it down, no matter how tough or how hard I work, I'm physically limited. He's in a league where his wide receivers are super fast, but he can't overthrow them. So no matter how fast they are, they have to slow it down. They have to break those routes off because I remember playing Madden when Tyreek was on Kansas City's roster. And every time I would play and it was Mahomes and Tyreek Hill, I basically have to just use her with the safety and just just run. Anytime I thought it was a go route, I just would just run him where Tyreek was because even on the video game, he was throwing the ball like 70 yards in there. So you drop back, you throw the go route, and you just let it fly. Tua can't do that. Kirk Cousins, I think Kirk Cousins in that offense will work because I think Kirk Cousins has an arm to come backside and get the waddle if it's not there. I just don't think Tua has it. And he's left-handed, so that's always difficult, too. They were talking about a lot of quarterbacks. The fact that he's left-handed, not a lot of offensive coordinators have plays designed for left-handed quarterbacks. You'd think it would just be able to flip, but, you know, that, that's well, just well, that's why, like so, so I'm afraid that Miami could find themselves in a Daniel Jones-type situation. Uh, obviously, two is better than Daniel Jones. Tua is it the, obvious? I think it's obvious. Uh, Tua was the passing leader in the NFL this, this year. Uh, but, I mean – to be fair, to be all honest and fair, he does have way better talent around him than Daniel Jones does. So that has to be factored in as well. But but I think he's better than Daniel Jones. Um, do you franchise him? Or is Miami in a position where because because you know this is the this is the line of conversation that always happens. You know, hey, I think Miami should move on to Tua. I mean, from Tua. Well, who are they going to get that's better? They don't gotta get better. They don't have to get a quarterback that's better than Tua. They just have to get a quarterback quarterback that that makes the throws better. You know what I mean? That makes those throws you're talking about better. You know, you get, you know, you you got A-Chan and Mostert, so you don't need Peyton Manning running the offense. You know, uh, so, so, you know, you just need a quarterback. Just like the Cowboys, same thing. Fire Mike McCarthy, who you going to get that's better? I don't know, but obviously that shit ain't working. You know what I'm saying? But anyway, we'll get to that. Uh, yeah. So, 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 like, that's my, that was my number one overreaction because I don't want to do hyperbole. I don't want to be that guy. But I was disgusted watching <laughs> the Miami Dolphins. And I know Chris going to come for me, but I was disgusted when I watched the Miami Dolphins the other night. Like, you know, just from the standpoint. I don't of, think it looked as bad as I picked them. And what I, what I noticed was that. As I was watching it play out at this bar that also had it on like an hour tape delay on the other side of the bar, which is kind of funny. But they also, so I was in the section at three TVs. Two of the TVs were playing Deal or, Deal, Deal or No Deal Island. Yeah. And one was playing a football game. I was like, 
If the Eagles were on, it would have been on every channel, but I seem to hear no there. Um, <laughs> I think what it was is that when I was watching it play out, I came to the realization that the weather was too much for their style. I Like we talked about running the ball. I thought they would be more effective and more deliberate running the ball. I just don't feel like they did. And then when Kansas City was making plays and they were doing the things I said Miami was going to do, the underneath routes, chopping their feet to slow down. Because Rasheed Rice, excuse me, when he was kept making those passes, catches. Eight catches for 130. He chopped down. And then when he looked up, he's the only one there. Then he accelerated. So now you got guys coming across his ice sheet trying to cut him off. Well, he's already got his balance, caught the ball. Now he's in a full sprint. He wasn't making any jukes. He just was like, I'm just going to run as far as I can. And I just felt like the Kansas City team, pre-play, post-snap, during the play, handled, like incorporated the elements of the game into how they played. They threw a lot of short stuff to Kelsey. Right. They ran the ball effectively in the middle. They took their shots when they were available. But for the most part, I think they used the elements to their advantage. And then having a guy like Bucker that can kick four field goals, it had to feel like kicking a rock. So I know so the kick were... ball is a little softer, but it, I, I just, like I said, I just think that can't. Once I watched the game as it played out, I just felt like Kansas City used the elements more. They, a lot of more of their guys are wearing short sleeves. That's another thing. That's a big deal. That's that's mm-hmm. like a big deal. And Bravado, we talked about Korea. Korea is the same way, where you had like the big, tall, six foot, six foot two, two hundred fifteen pound soldier at the DMZ, the American soldier. He didn't wear any cold weather gear, and he just stared at the North yeah. Korean soldiers. Like, is yeah. an intimidation factor? Kelsey out there with no sleeves, linemen out there with no sleeves, wide receivers out there with no sleeves. That's that gets to you when you're a corner out there and you're getting scuba gear. Right. And hopefully, hopefully everybody is doing okay. I know I saw a report where there was at least a dozen people being treated for hypothermia. So, you know, hopefully everybody's okay. But uh, but yeah, that was just my takeaway because you remember I was talking about how Miami averages uh they lead the league in yards per carry. Well, eight chan and Mostert combined 14 rushes for 42 yards. You know, um, so you could either have a problem with the fact that they average three yards a carry, or you have a problem with the fact that they only rushed the ball 14 times. The, that's what I'm you saying. Know. I don't, I and think it, that that element, they, they, the game plan that they wanted to run was for a 55 degree game. Just, just like January. Philly. Like, like when I was degree. watching, when I was watching Philly last night, you know, it was the same, it was the same thought that I had, you know, I was like, dude, y'all have thrown the ball 35 times. And ran at 15 with Swift. I mean, granted, he was only 10 rushes for 34 yards, but you just didn't stay committed to the run because, like, remember we were talking, I don't know if we were offline or if we said this on here a couple of weeks ago, but we were talking about uh we were talking about Washington and how Kalen DeBoer said, even if the run's not working, we're still gonna run because yeah. you have to make the other team respect it either way. Like they've stopped you to this point, but you could always break one. Yeah. But you can't break one if you're not running. You know, and the Eagles have the talent slash offensive line to break one. 
and they just didn't put themselves in a position. So are you, overreaction, are you team Sirianni pack your bags? Uh, I, would, I wouldn't do it now. Cause I came up with something uh, a few years ago and like, you know, I was going through, going through life and I was like, you know, I'm at a unique square one, you know, a lot of things kind of like fell in on itself that were normally pretty stable, you know, right. career, lifetime relationships with people. Everything. A lot of things just kind of just kind of, kind of just fell in. And I was like, all right, I got so much going on that I have nothing, nowhere to go, but up. Right. So now I'm here. Like, okay, I got this going on. Okay, how do I settle that? I got this going on. How do I settle? I got this going on. How do I settle that? Philly's in that position where they can look at it. Okay, look, everything that could have gone wrong the last eight weeks went wrong. Do we have the people in place to fix it? I would say maybe get the executives together, some of the the top coaches, some of the team leaders that are going to be back. You have an outing. Hey, everyone come to the, either the, down to Florida, somewhere warm, a golf outing. Uh, you bring in a, you know, a sports psychologist, somebody like arbitrator, just get everybody on the same page because you, you're obviously on the same page a year ago when you went 15 and two and went to the Super Bowl and you were holding call away from having a really good chance at winning that Super Bowl to yeah. 10 and one yeah. and then a bad couple of months. Yeah, I don't you think were saying that you think... a couple of months over. I don't think because granted, Sirianni might not be hot on other people's list if you fire him. People right. might not jump out the woodworks, but he matches the moxie of your city. It's worked out over the last three seasons. It just didn't look as fluid it was over the last couple of months. I like what you said when in our pre meeting where you were talking about how there must have been something that was masked because they were winning because they know, like they were, yeah, like yeah, I they said, were if, if they would end up, if they were ended up in a situation, we'll talk about San Francisco, San Francisco was five and oh, had a three game losing streak. And then immediately went on another five game win streak because in those three losses, it was like, we're doing the same thing three weeks in a row, but we also have injuries. We're not protecting a quarterback. We're not running a ball, but we got beat three weeks in a row. So now we right. have to evaluate it after the first loss. We're five and one. Okay, we're good to go. If they win and go six and one, I don't know if they take as a hard look at the that loss because oh that was a fluke. But when you get loss, 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 quarterback plays poorly, he gets hit, concussion protocol. Now you have to think left tackles out, he's hurt. We get him healthy, quarterback. <laughs> struggling getting hit a lot we had the bye week i think they took that time and really and really got that got it together but they can evaluate three bad weeks of football turning into five good weeks i don't think philly ever took that chance i think it just like aj brown was on the tear where it was like he was on the tear where he had like a hundred like five yards like 150 150 yards like six five six games in a row yeah where then after that, you're not giving them the ball. But if you lose one of those games or two of those games, and it's like, okay, and he only had five catches, 75 yards. Now you look, okay, how do I get how do we get him the ball more? But he was getting the ball, they were winning. They were barely winning. They were 
like I said, we talked about Washington. Washington averaged 31 points against Philly this year. Right, right. I was just about to say that. Like, maybe we should have been questioning them after that. But, but that's know. the thing. I was That's what I said to you because I was like, well, you got hope because the first game they scored 31 points. And then they came out and did it again. I was like, this looks they weird. Got screwed like, one of the games. You know, when, when they called McLaurin out of bounds. You know, but uh, yeah. but yeah, like, I think that the thing that concerned me about Philadelphia was when I saw Jalen Hurts looking like he just received the phone call that his best friend was in a car accident. Like, you know, because he usually he's the leader. You know, he has the reputation of being mature beyond his years. And he's the one that kind of galvanizes everybody. Now, I don't think of him as a, like, rah-rah, you know, beat your chest Tim Tebow type dude. But I think that he's the type of dude that when you when he speaks, you listen. Like, yeah. you know, like like I told like I told my wife, I was like, yo, DMX was probably not near the greatest rapper ever. But every time I heard his voice, my ears perked up, you know, saying rest in peace, X. Like I was literally yeah. if you hear DMX, you're just like, OK, I got to listen to this. Like yeah. whatever he said. Dudes didn't even want to follow DMX. They're like, nah, I'm not going on after him. Right. The energy I'm going on like, before just, him. Like, yeah. Let so, him close so, the show. I'm not. I'm, yeah. Yeah, so 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 it hurts strikes me in that way, not necessarily the energy and the rah-rah, but the hey, he maybe doesn't talk a lot or he doesn't get in your chili a lot, like he's not the type that he I think sees he something fed up. Yeah, he might have been. And, and, and that was my shot. concern. Did you, Did you see the Dallas got got her? It was like they were sitting on the end of the on bench. The sideline? Oh, yeah, on okay. The yeah, 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 and yeah, got yeah, her yeah. got up and says something, and Jalen was kind of sitting like this. Yeah. But it wasn't sitting like he felt bad that Goddard was saying something to him. He was sitting there like, yo, I told y'all, I've been telling y'all this for six weeks, eight weeks. Right. And, and that's and, why. And he was like, I know, I know you're, I think he knows who the people aren't preparing as hard as him. Because he said that, he said something like that a lot about we need to get, you know, people need to stop being selfish. People need to get on right. the same page. I think he knows who it was. And it's like, I think Jalen's one of those people is like, I'm not going to waste my energy right right, right now. Right, right. This season's over. So the last right. thing I need is footage of me acting out of character. Whereas you diva wide receivers, you diva tight ends, y'all could do all this other shit. But he wasn't sitting there. Like, his face looked very, like, postured. It, it didn't look like, oh, my God, I, you know, this dude's yelling at me. Like, right. you know, like Mac Jones' face when Bill O'Brien was yelling at him. Maybe right. seeing that face like that, like a right. kid getting yelled at by his pops. Jalen had that look like you can say all that, just say it over there. <laughs> over there, if you, if you like, well, Jalen had that look like if you came, if it was in his face, I think it would have been different. But he was like, long as he over there, I ain't worried about it. And that's why I think that when, when I look at it, that was my concerning point. So coming into the game, I was not team get rid of Sirianni. Like, I think that was an overreaction on the front side of the playoff game. But after I saw that stuff last night, considering that it was the playoff game, if you win, you know, um, you, you get a chance, you know, to go to Detroit, you know, and possibly play an inexperienced team, you know, playoff wise. So theoretically, you're looking a rematch with San Francisco in the face after they came to your house and slapped you up. So, <laughs> exactly. so, so like, 
And I know that, and I know that one of my blind spots is that I'm old school in that way of like, I see the bigger picture of, I want to go kick San Francisco's ass. Whereas a lot of those dudes are like, I just want to get away from him. Like, I want to get away from Bradbury. I'm tired of hearing big play slay talking all this shit while not making big plays, you know, whatever, you know? So, so like, yeah, I could see that, you know, but, but just for me as a fan, a person that watched sports all my life, we have this and we we're wrong at times. We we've had this thought of the guys that we grew up watching of being these warriors and being a certain way and every snap matters, every game matters. And maybe it wasn't that way. But that's the way that it was has been romanticized to us. So Jeff that's Teague talked about it uh, on this podcast when they were playing when he was playing for Milwaukee and they were playing Brooklyn. He was like, "Man, he was like, he was like him and a couple of the guys at the bench, like, yeah, we're not beating this team." And then Harden was hurt, and then Kyrie got hurt, and it was like, "Oh, we got a chance." But he was like, even then, they were like, "Man, we're ready to get the season over with, right?" Because it is a long time, and it's a long time, and you recognize it. Like, Listen. Do I need to play a whole nother series? We talked about it like when I talked about the uh Dan Campbell going for two against Dallas. Like, why would you go for against the seven yard line? He was like, Well, this our seeding is pretty much locked in. We're getting a home playoff game and, and we're locked in. We won our division. Why don't why do I want to put my players through 10 more minutes of this game just to maybe get the number two seed, considering Philly was playing a giant six? All the other scenarios that had to play out for them to even get up there is like. I'm not worried about that. I don't want to play this extra 10 minutes. I want to get it out, get it out of here right now. I think Philly players are probably like, yo, this season's a wash. You because you know that like we're in the playoffs you know, because we got a record. We're not a playoff team. Yeah, they you know what it takes to get to a Super Bowl because most of these guys were on a team the year before. You know it's not the same. You know the feeling's not the same. You know the relationships aren't the same. You can see it. People probably aren't hanging out as much. They're probably not hanging around the facility together as much. Because you know, you got you can eat at the facility. You can sleep. You probably can sleep there. You can work out there. You can train there. You get the chiropractor. You can get massage. You get everything you need at the facility. So it's like you probably get Xboxes and PS5s everywhere. So if you're just a bunch of young guys, like, yo, you going to the facility today? Yeah, I'm going to kick it. I know it's my off day, but I'm going to get some treatment. All right, man, I'll meet right. you there, and, and then we'll go do this afterwards. They know that if that was happening or not, like it was last year, it's like, oh, it's different this year. They know it internally. Guys probably kept tight to the vest, but is AJ Brown was going at a lot of people on Twitter. Social media was always buzzing. He was going back and forth. I think Brandy Graham had a couple like memorable tweets. I think people were just going back and forth. Like I said, being in this area, Philly fans let you know. Philly fans let you know right on the sideline. All right. Now we got to get to it. We got to get to it. Green Bay, Dallas. Yes. Yes. Uh, So first of all, I'm just going to ask. Obviously, this is overreaction. Is it time for the Cowboys to clean house? I had, I had this. I have two ideas. I ran this one conversation around a friend of mine. We're talking. It's it's either the players in Dallas feel the pressure of the ghost of Super Bowls past, and they get in their head because they're there. People are saying, hey, you guys going to take it all away this year and so forth and so on. And maybe they're feeling the pressure. Or the common denominator in it is Jerry Jones. 
Now, I don't have their budget, but I use this as an example. Jerry Jones likes to be on TV. He likes to be in the press box. He's always in the suit. They have their budget meeting. His son is the one of the vice presidents and presidents and everybody else. So it's a lot of nepotism at the top already. Not a lot of people say no. But you have a meeting and it's like, all right, we made an extra million dollars selling Bud Light this quarter. What do you want to do with this surplus? Uh, we can get another underwater treadmill for the training room for $500,000 and hire another physical therapist at the rate of $300,000 for this, this season and then use an additional $200,000 for you know, renovation of the practice facility. We need more shower heads or whatever. So like guys, you know, it's more people can be there, whatever the case may be. So you take that million dollars and Jerry's like, you know what? I think we should up the tailor in the, 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 the clothing allowance for all the execs. So when we go to meetings and people see us on TV, we're all in tailored suits. Right. Which could be beneficial because he's always on TV. They're always doing podcasts. And it's like, are you doing that? Because other organizations don't have these problems. Other organizations, I mean, look at Tampa Bay. They just went to a Super Bowl with Tom Brady. Then they had the playoffs a couple years in a row. They won the division. Now they got Baker Mayfield. They're winning the division, winning playoff games. Detroit was an 0-16 team. They were laughing stock. They made a couple moves, and they've been winning. Green Bay is consistently winning. It's these teams, Kansas City. It can't just be the talent of the quarterback. And I know Patrick Mahomes on paper and everything else and on the field is better than Dak Prescott. But Dak Prescott isn't that much of a gap that you can't win with Dak only when Patrick Mahomes. Like, Led the league of touchdown passes this year. Dak is a quarterback that can get you wins. So it was like, where do you where do you not do an organization league? That's causing you guys to have these problems late in the year. So Jerry probably needs to give up the GM position. Easily, yeah. Move his son to some figurehead position where he doesn't make the final decision on football players. Okay. Bring in a real GM. Bring in real football people. Not just people who are a fan of the Dallas Cowboys because my last name is Jones. You can keep all the money in house. It is your team. You don't need to own the team and have control because who's the GM for the Rams? It's not Cronky. No, it's, it's not Cronky. It's Snead. <clears throat> you know, the the AFC Championship Trophy is named after the owner of the Kansas City Chiefs. His grandson isn't the GM. Yeah. His niece isn't the head executive assistant, head of security, whatever the case would be. Like Dallas's problem is a Jones problem. They get right. rid of Jerry Jones. If Jerry Jones gets rid of his titles, I think they'll win. I think they'll win. So, definition of insanity: trying to do the same thing over and over and getting the same result. So that's I couldn't have said it better. You you hit on everything. Uh, what I will add, though, is that Dallas is at another point where it's time to pay Dak again. And we saw how tumultuous the first time they had to pay Dak was. 
because they got Jerry Jones' problem. He wants to win his negotiation because he owns the team. Where it's a GM is like, I want the best deal for the team, right? And you know, they got rid of Zeke, but didn't really bring in any replacements like they thought Tony Pollard was going to be able to take it on. Tony Pollard's a small kind of guy, you know, quick, you know, but I don't think of him as an every down back. So it doesn't surprise me that they struggle to run the ball. You know, then, you know, they brought in Brandon Cooks. He was supposed to be the answer because everybody liked Michael Gallup, but then he kept getting hurt. So they brought in Brandon Cooks as, all right, this is going to be the guy that the defense is going to have to focus on to take the attention off a of CD. But then Cooks has been injured, so I don't know if he's as fast as he used to be or the threat that he used to be. So, you know, as I was looking at Dallas this, a receiver on every team that he's on. Yeah. This is a Dallas problem. He's a good receiver, yeah. And, you know, a receiver on every team that he's been on. But when I go back and look at this game, you know, uh, you'll get a kick out of this. Uh, when I was watching some of these highlights and when I was watching the game, live it looks like tim tebow's draft video <laughs> like like he was just throwing it to percy harvin and it's like hey where's the defender at and then by the time the ball hits his hand the defender is just now getting into the frame yeah and everybody's like look at that arm on tebow so like you know that's what i saw saturday or sunday i was like hey where's the closest dallas defender like you know, they one of those was, like they said one of them was like the the most open that anybody's been in any game all year. Oh, well, we, he was, well, we were, it was seventeen point seven yards away from the nearest Dallas defender. Like that was the most open any wide receiver's been all year long on like a touchdown. Well, so. when we were when we were in the uh, chat, like the comment that I made was, "Yo, Green Bay receivers are really out here catching pop flies." Like that's basically what it was. Like that's why they waited on that ball. He's he waiting on that the ball. ball up. Yeah, he just threw the ball up and they were just there. So, so like somebody told me today, because you know, a lot of people, I don't want to say they're idiots, but a lot of people don't watch the games. They look at some numbers and they think they could tell you what happened. And he goes, Dak threw for 400 yards. What else do you want? And I said, I need you to go back and watch that game and Broke tell me when that 400 in the second half. Tell me, That's tell me. Tell me when yard number 400 occurred. You know what I mean? Because Dak threw yard number 200 came in the fourth quarter when they were just heaving the ball up. Yeah. He had 192 yards when they were down four. When they were down 48 16, he had 192 yards passing. Yep. And Aaron Jones, I told you, when he plays against Dallas, he averages six yards a carry. He didn't average six yards a carry this time, but he averaged 5.6, had 118 yards. So Dallas and three so, touchdowns. Yeah, so Dallas lost this game. Sadly enough for them in the trenches, they just got pushed around. Micah Parsons had one tackle and one assist. So maybe it's time to move him back to linebacker, you know, and not have him lining up on the line anymore. You know, um, even Stephon Gilmore, they was like, "Yo, you could get it too," and you know they burnt him up. So yeah, it- so. It was a it was a masterclass by Lafleur. It shows that he is like this all world coach that 
because that's and before young hasn't lost to Dallas yet in his career. He hasn't lost to Dallas. So my thoughts going to Green Bay thought, has more playoff wins in Dallas Stadium and AT&T Stadium than the than Dallas does. Yeah, and it's crazy because they've also won 10 out of their last 11 against Dallas. And so so my thought going into the game was LaFleur hasn't lost to Dallas. But he had Aaron Rodgers. And you talked about it, the throw to Jared Cook, Mason Crosby. They can't recreate that. They didn't need to. So <laughs> I, I was watching a game, and I think I started hitting the whiskey a little early. Uh, so I, I was laid up, wrapped up in a blanket <laughs> on the couch, just watching the game. Yeah. It was 7-0. I was like, okay. I turned the game on. Green Bay was already in Dallas territory. They score seven and a half minutes left. I'm thinking Dallas already had the ball and punted. Right. I didn't realize that was the opening drive. So yeah, when I saw that was the opening drive. I was like, that's yeah. tough. So like Dallas has to come back. And and I don't know if it's a Dak problem or if it's like I said, the ghost of Super Bowl's past that like, kind of creeping into these guys where Tom Brady down 10 in a playoff game. You believe he's going to come back. Josh Allen, like I said, they're down 14 points. You know Josh Allen on the next possession, he can do everything in his power and his talent. Yeah, not saying that it will work, but he has that capability. He has that capability to get you seven points. And you know you you have evidence on film as a player and as a coach. Mahomes will do it. Uh, you know, Justin Tucker's going to kick a 50 plus yard field goal into right. the win, you know, so you don't really have any evidence that Dallas is going to come back. And I think that bit them. It's seven, it's seven zero that pass to see Dak maybe holds a little bit. Let, let, let them clear out, let them get uncovered. Yeah. And it just looked like they time. weren't on the same page because it just, the, I think the pressure of being three three years in a row having thirty six regular season wins, winning your division, it just it just seems like there there are moments that they pick throughout the regular season that are their highlights. They have their Super Bowls between September and January. January to February is like we've already done. I did everything I need to do to get paid, right. Cause I'm going to get paid based on my regular season numbers. So I did everything I need to do to get paid. And this is what I'm going to get. Don't file Kevin Durant with less than two seconds shooting a jump shot. Uh, you know what I'm saying? So I think, I think that's what happened in Dallas. Do you clean house to get back to your original question? I would. I would consider it. I don't know if I would do it, but I would consider it. I would. Cons- I'd consider it. But and at we, the same we're time, talking about the college coaches. But at the same time, to your point, it doesn't really matter if, you know, the structure is the same. Yeah. If the top of the pyramid is still the Jones right. empire. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Because at some point, but that's the thing. If you had if you had a Wilson working in these upper on offices that had a voice, if you had a Rutley, if you had a Thompson or somebody else not named Jones working up there, it would be a real conversation if his team was on a board. Like if he, I think he, he probably owns a team outright. I don't know how the business, 
But if he had a board, I think a board of people would have been like, yo, you can't be GM and for us to be successful. That's the only, that's the common denominator. Is that you're, (laughs) your, your presence in these positions is it's, that has to be the thing that's holding us back. Right. Because he brokers all the deals of guys that he picks Guys that he loves personally, like you can still love like Romo. He loved Romo, gave Romo a pretty big deal, but the same thing. It was no playoff success. And granted, we know we had the year where he dropped the ball against Seattle, but right. that happens. That's gonna happen. You're gonna have, you know, the Atlanta. You're gonna have a 28 to three blown lead. It's crazy, but it sucks and it happens. But they came right back the next year, made the playoffs, had a road playoff game beat the Rams and they were, you know, a completed pass to Julio from beating the Eagles the following week. Yeah. You know, but once it got to the point where Dan Quinn and the team was, they were always collapsing with these double digit leads. It was like, okay, you got to go because something about your presence here isn't working for the team. Right. Yeah. All right. So for the sake of time, we'll save our other question for Thursday, but, uh, but you know, but yeah, but the Rams, zero three in the red zone, that lost them the game. You know, besides the fact that Jared Goff made plays, you know, um, you know, Detroit and Tampa should be an interesting game just from the standpoint of both their teams. That Detroit, some people expected Detroit to be here, but at the end of the day, they're still Detroit. But I don't think a lot of people had Tampa here, so I'm interested to see. Which one of them, going back to something you said earlier, which one of Detroit and Tampa is playing with house money? Tampa. Tampa's playing with house money, but I think the beauty of this game is you have two. Granted, Dan Campbell's a tight end, but he seems more like a defensive coach, like rugged. But Nick Nick right on first things first said, he was like, everyone calls uh, Dan Campbell like this rugged go for it kind of coach but really he's just a smart coach that just follows the analytics he's like oh he's going for it on fourth to one he's just a tough guy i'm like nah he's just kind of following analytics but he just has that <laughs> that, that that scruffy the the goatee and the demeanor and the t-shirt and the muscles and the voice was just like he has that raspy he doesn't have that like mike mcdaniels might follow analytics but it looks like fancy because right. he's wearing like off white Nike, you know, Air Force Ones on the sideline, stuff like that. Louis Vuitton bags when he comes in the stadium. Uh, but I like the Tampa Bay Detroit matchup. I like the redemption story of Jerry Goff. I like the redemption story of Baker Mayfield. I think Baker's going to get probably like a three year, 110, 105, $110 million offer from Tampa uh-huh. Bay. Probably going to reject it. It's probably going to want more like Daniel Jones money. So three years, 120. I think it'd be beneficial. If they can match, if they can keep Mike Evans, because you got to give him a weapon. Like I think, I think that's what teams fall apart. Where I think, right, Detroit, <clears throat> it's about they're the opposite of Philly as far as like the belief, right. I think they knew because my dad was talking about this. We had this conversation mm-hmm. the other day. Shout out to Skip Redley. Uh, uh, he said. Sean McVay should have gone for it on that fourth and fourteen. He was like. You don't give him the ball back. And I was like, I didn't think about it because I that's I, I was like, yo, that makes a lot of sense because either way, your defensive objective is the same if you 
Because if you don't get the fourth and the 14, you got to stop them from getting two first downs from mm-hmm. where you are. Because even if they get a first down, but they go out of bounds in their field goal range, you're only down four. Maybe get the ball back with 42 seconds left or something like that. Maybe a minute, some change. But you can't get you can't give up the ball knowing that all they need to do is give two first downs. Right. So you're better off. Especially the way they've been moving the ball all night. You're better off just trying to get the 14 yards because if you don't get it, you're in the same position, whether they get the ball at the 44, the four, the 14 or the 24, like their objective is still to get two first downs and you have one timeout and the two minute one, it's all you have. So I think they should have just probably gone for it. Maybe throwing one of those routes. Maybe you get the holding call. Maybe get the, you know, the pass interference, whatever the case may be. Um, but like I said, I think Detroit just believes the, the the players believe in Jared Goff. Jared Goff believes in Laporta. Laporta believes in Hutchinson. Hutchinson believes in the coach. I think it's just just this this belief system that's like intrinsic with the team and the way they play. And it right. just and then Dan Campbell is the mouthpiece for this belief. And they're playing at home. I mean, it was got it was growing in the stands, crying from the playoff win. So. Yeah, no, no matter how house game, money, but yeah, no matter I, who wins this game, if yeah. San Francisco beats Green Bay, it's going to be one of those David versus Goliath moments that define sports. It's going to be a game, and it's going to be a game. I'm excited for. I'm here yeah. for it. Yeah, so so me and Mister Logical, or I should say, sorry, let me fix that. Mister Logical and I were <laughs> were talking this morning. He brought up Caleb DeBoer, and I didn't hesitate to jump on him. Yo, right though, at me. I was yeah, like, I right at me. it was 8 a.m. Yeah, because, like, you know, we're at a different place now. You know what I mean? Like, but I'll let Mr. Logical get this started. Okay, I'm going to get it started. It's not necessarily get off my chest. It just and it wasn't necessarily about, about Caleb DeBoer. Yeah. Yeah, it just was about the, the narrative surrounding the transfer portal. And this is an argument that I had probably we talked about Brian Kelly at the beginning of our podcast a year ago. Nope. If I am a as a coach, I'm recruiting every year. So there's a kid that's in high school who just wrapped up his high school football career in December, whatever state championship, whatever level he he made it to, who was recruited. Got the board to come to Washington. Now here it is, January sixteenth. Now the guy who sat in his living room last August or last September came to his game and said, "Hey, you're going to be a Husky. I'm going to be there to turn you know turn you to a man and promise his mom, his dad, and his grandma and his little brother like you're going to come to the game. You're going to be wearing your brother's jersey. It's going to be purple and gold." It's going to be a great environment up in Seattle. And it's like, oh, Alabama call. Hey, man, I'm out. And he doesn't have to, like he doesn't have to do anything for these people that he told. Like, because now this kid committed to Washington. And maybe Oregon State wanted him. Maybe Cal wanted him. But now Cal filled their spots up. So they don't they don't need a, a seventh wide receiver coming in in the 2020 uh, four class. So now he's now I go to Washington with uncertainty with a coach I don't know who might not want me either. 
because they might pluck their coach from, you know, Michigan State or somewhere, and they bring a couple of recruits in that was supposed to come with them. We'll get we'll get to that. We'll yeah. So you know you got all, so I just I just feel like a player leaving puts a coach in zero bind. I don't care what position it is as a college football coach. If your quarterback transfers, you have an entire country full of high school senior quarterbacks that can come to your school and you can teach them your offense and make them a player that you need. If I'm a player, I don't have that option. I can't just be like, oh, the coach left. Um, I'm just going to transfer. I got to pick up my whole life because you left. You don't have to. There's no guarantee I got a spot. There's no guarantee I'm gonna have a spot. You let that play out, I guess. How, but once again, now I I I got I have to do something. I have I'm in a position where I got to change my life because you told me to come here and I get here and you leave me. All right. Imagine yeah. like we, we're supposed to travel, right? <laughs> right. We're supposed to fly. We going to Europe, right? I'm like, all right, man, fly to Jersey. I'm gonna meet you at. Uh, Newark International. And then we're gonna catch a flight from Newark to London. You land here. I'm in Miami, about to go on a cruise to the Bahamas. Now you stuck. And I was like, well, you can figure out if you want to go to London or not. But I'm like, I ha- I convinced you. I did, I got all the things moving to get you to come to this spot because of me. And then when you arrive, I'm not there. And I'm off to a better trip. I'm doing something better with a different group of people. Well, here's the thing. Here's the thing. You know, in life, whether you're 18, whether you're 38, whether you're 58, you're always looking for advancement. You know, the same way that a coach does stay out of school, like say, you know, there's some kid at Toledo and, you know, you get a feeler out there like, hey, Coach Prime is interested in you. You know, saying you gonna probably go, and we're gonna be like Coach Prime killing the portal. You know, what I'm saying so. When I'm looking at like killing the board, for example, because he was the name that you brought up, even though the overall point wasn't about him. Yeah. You know, my my takeaway from it was we really expected coaches to turn down Alabama. Like it's the best job in the country. You know, I don't care what people say about Texas. Alabama has proven. How did people treat the players that didn't play FSU and Georgia? The executives for ESPN were upset. The executives for the committee were upset. Everybody was upset because those kids kids didn't want to play. Because those kids, because you know why? You know why? If Mike Norvell would have left to go to Alabama, which was on the table, say you play in this bowl game, right? You play for Mike Norvell because he told you. They screwed us. They jammed us up. I'm we going to this bowl game. We're gonna beat Georgia. Now you go out there and get rocked. Now you concussion protocol. He takes a job two weeks later to go to Alabama. I'm gonna say, now, young man. Yeah, new coach comes in. Now I'm in. I'm injured. I can't go work out for two months because I'm in concussion protocol. I don't have access to whatever the case may be. And I get it. That is, this is like a one-off kind of situation. But the outrage that the players get and the public, the public, the, the, the professional people in charge, what they say publicly about the players is my biggest problem. It's not that the, I, I'm, t- I'm not telling a player like, listen, you got to persevere. You got to expect it. 
I tell my son all the time, like, listen, you got to understand that, listen, every coach is going to like you. Every relationship is going to be the same. Only thing you can really affect is how you work. It's not always going to go great. I'm just talking about the public statements made by committee leads, the uh, the the people who are in charge, like the presidents of these schools, the ADs, the pundits on these sports networks, the people who have podcasts like our show. Everyone has something to say about Caleb Williams not playing in a bowl game. Every, people have something to say about the FSU players not playing. But as soon as Brian Kelly leaves Notre Dame to go to LSU to talk about all the talent he's going to have at LSU and what a great decision and, he made. And how can you turn that, that down? What I say to that is, young man, this might be your first lesson, unfortunately. Welcome to life. This is how it works. I'm and, not talking and, about the life. I know. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Why would you go out? Why do, they guys, why do they go out and make public statements? The committee leaders, they go out and make public statements against players. Because the they think that they're going to lose money. Because they think they're going to lose money. That's why. Don't you think that's what it's all about? When you, when you lose a coach from a watch, a team that just went to the national championship, a team not out necessarily. West. Because check it out, though, it's the same thing. Because like you know, Michael Penix off to the NFL, Polk off to the NFL, Adunze off to the NFL, Johnson off to the NFL, McMillan out. I don't know if he's going to the NFL, but he's gone. You know what I mean? So they had like thirty dudes in the portal before DeBoer even left. You know what I mean? First of all. Second of all, you know what I mean? It was Alabama. It was like the job in college football. You know, I don't oh, hold, on, hold, on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I let the you do job, your thing. The job is not what thing. Hold, on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I let you do your thing. Hold on. It was it was it was Alabama. You I'm know what I mean? And, it's, and not everybody obviously is going to be at a place in life where you get offered the Alabama job. There was Dan Lanny, Mike Norvell, there was Kayla DeBoer. Now. Now, this is the overall problem as we peel it back. So Washington went out and got Jed Fish from Arizona, you know, who was, you know, highly on the Gators list if they let go of their coach next year. You know, um, he's a Gator alum. Now he's at Washington. This is the problem. You got the SEC. You got the Big Ten. Those are the two major players we joke about AFC, NFC. So Jed Fish sitting here in Arizona, if he turns down Washington, he's not doing his family a service. You know what I'm saying? He's not doing himself a service from the standpoint of you're not going to make anywhere, if that's important to you, you're not going to have the money, the eyeballs, the recruits, because as good a job as he did at Arizona this year, I went to the Alamo Bowl Watch them curb stomp Oklahoma. You yeah. know what I mean? But that only lasts for a time. Whereas yeah, but my knock isn't on I'm, my knock isn't on the coach that moves. I'm not knocking the coach that moves. I am a little bugged that you that the way they the way they recruit and how they get hired. Right. And I'm right. not sure what the what the guarantees are for the kid coming in. My issue is uh what was the Pittsburgh coach that I kept talking about the port all the time? Pat Narduzzi. Pat Narduzzi. Now, Pat Narduzzi complained that essentially Lincoln Riley basically fleeced a couple of his players. He didn't say him in name, but a couple of guys went from Pitt Jordan Addison, yeah, to USC, and then yeah. Lincoln Riley fleeced a few, few of the guys. Now, his comment could have been clear. Lincoln Riley leaving Oklahoma four hours after he coached them right. to a loss 
to where if they would have won, they would have been in the CFP, coaches him to a loss. He gets him and his family get on a plane to LA. His comments and he lied. could have, yeah, because he kept it on the reps, which is fine. You're negotiating, I get that. But if you're going to make a comment about the fact that your player left your school to go to USC, you can still stand up there and make the same comment that these coaches are leaving kids behind, getting better jobs, and stealing right. players from other schools. So that's the trifecta. That's the piece that I don't get. I only get the Jordan Addison decide to leave my school to go here piece. So right. your whole your argument is holistic, but you only give me 33% of that pie. The college football playoff committee, they're upset that all these players didn't play. Well, what about when coaches leave before the bowl game? Right. Brian, like, oh, they want to give the new coach his opportunity to start anew. No, he didn't. You yeah, just Jimbo, want to shit on the players because the players are young men. He wanted to get them out of there. So you know why he left? Because National Recruiting Day was coming up. That's why he left. You know, just like uh, we if were looking at. Make, my problem is if you're going to stand up there and on the podium or on your Twitter account or your official NCAA Twitter email, whatever the case may be, and make the argument that the player is doing something that is damaging college football, then your coach commentary has to match. Yeah, got to come with that same energy. Just like, just like when we were talking about Jimbo Fisher, you know, national title winning coach. You know, had Florida State sitting at five and six, you know, flat out denied, like, I'm not interested in Texas AM because because the deal was out there. 10 years, 75 million. We knew that apparently we knew it before Jimbo did. You know, Jimbo was like, I'm not taking the job, you know, Florida State through and through. He ain't recruit no offensive lineman for like the last two years. And then that Thursday before the last game of the season, he was gone. So those situations I get, you know what I mean? Like uh, That situation happens more often than a player. A player is not really putting – the player is not putting the school behind the eight ball. Because if, if, like, Dylan Raiola, supposed to go to Georgia, decide to go to Nebraska – is Georgia out here like, damn, I don't know if I'm going to give me another five-star. No, they're they going to get another five-star. They got two of them. They gonna get a, <laughs> I mean, so it's like, that's it, that's my, my only piece No, of no, that. I get that. But but I'm just saying that I think it's circumstantial. The, and... public, the public criticism of coaches never happens. And they're... I think it movement, does. It happens. It's just not, not from the, to not the same the level. People, it's just not, not to the same the level. In, like, pundits, but not to the people who... In the and, NCAA and, that's the problem. and other coaches who make statements about players, they make statements directly about players every single time it happens to the point where you got players in the locker room filming Jane Daniels clean out his locker. I'm like, yo, they gonna shit they on ransacked his shit. They took, they just destroyed all this shit, recorded them, telling me sucked. Now two years later, he went to Heisman. Where are those guys that that recorded them? Right. When Herm Ed, when her Herm Edwards gets fired. Or Lee's or whatever the case may be, you're going too. So it's but see, like, but that's but that's also the danger, right? Because if you're somebody like Kellen DeBoer and you get Washington to the national title game, Michael Penix leaves, you start going eight and four, you get a seven and five up in there, they gonna get rid of you just as quick as you bounced. So this is what happens when your sport is centered on money, you know, and it just so happens, unfortunately, that the players are at the bottom level, you know, just like an airman. 
They're at the bottom level. So therefore, you know, it's easy to criticize them. Well, I'm yeah, gonna let you I had I'm a chief get away with team. I had a chief I sat down with just well, I'm not gonna call him a chief in E9, who literally told me our message up here is clear. It gets muddled around the E7 part. I'm like, that's the problem. I'm telling you that at my level, I'm not getting a clear message from you, a support. They're not getting it, but you're telling me it's my fault because at this level, the message is being muddled. I'm like, you're the chief. You're in charge. Your message should be loud and clear from top to bottom. It's, you yeah. should not be in a situation where you're telling me it's somebody else's fault that your message didn't get down to the airman. Right. And, and that's, that's where what, we that's are. That's how like, I feel the NCAA. The NCAA is blaming the players. Yeah, unfortunately, it's on. all I'm about like, money. It's the coaches. The coaches are going to where the like, money's going. Honestly, and, the schools you know, are going to where I the money's this, going. Like I said this before the Orange Bowl, if I was Mike Norvell, I would have honestly thought about just not going. Like I would have honestly just been like, we should have been in the playoff. We're not playing in your punk ass game, you know, is what I would have said, you know, you know, but now that he goes out there with this half a team, it's easy to criticize that 18 to 20 million. It's, it's easy. It's easy to criticize the players because they're the ones that we see, you know what I mean? They're the ones playing the game. So it's easy to say, well, 25 of these dudes just bounced you know, or whatever the case may be, you know, it's easy to do that. Like where the coaches get criticized because they do, it's just not the same level as it should be, you know, but like some coaches, I don't think, I don't think that every coach that leaves should be criticized. I think it just depends on the situation. It depends. Like when Dana Holgerson left West Virginia to go to Houston, it was unheard of at the time. He went from a power five school down to a G5 under, school. If you're still under contract, and, you shouldn't be able to leave. And, it should be and, flat out. Like, if you're still under contract, I don't care what the offer is. But if that's is. the case, then you have to hold – see, you can't have it both ways. You have to hold everybody to that precedent. If that's the case – That's the thing. It, everybody's not as impactful. No, no can, but, but if you okay, got to have – but if we'll, that's we'll, the case, we'll go with the then everybody has a contract. The players have contracts, and no, you can't we'll leave go, either. We'll go – no, we'll go, we'll go with the chief airman analogy. The chief, you're the maintenance superintendent of the – 101st maintenance squadron. You're the maintenance superintendent. You are a singular position. You can't just leave and go do another chief job somewhere on base for four months because you're a singular position. But if I got 40 airmen and they need four airmen to do honor guard for four months, I can send four airmen because I got right. 40 total. If I have 14 defensive backs and two of them want to transfer, that's fine. But if I have a coach that's under contract who told players, I'm going to be here. Because not only so lose, a coach can't lose. never leave? Just when you're under contract. If you have a five-year contract at the three-year mark. That would work can't. if jobs were always open. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that's not, that's like, not like when's, when's the, when's the next fault. time Alabama going to open? When's the next time I, Alabama going to open? When we re-enlisted, when we re-enlisted, if I re-enlisted in 2010, I re-enlisted for four years. I can't just decide at 12 and a half years, you know what? I want to get out because I'm mean, under you contract. You, 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 there's no you real can, thing. You can get on my purse. You can't just no get out of the Air Force. No, like, you I'm can't just leave, but you could try to leave. 
But that's there's, the, about there's things out, in place for like, you to be I'm able to about, like my contract is with the Air Force, getting out of the Air Force. So if your contract is with Washington, you're at Washington. That's where you are. So if your contract says five years, at the two year mark, somebody offers you another job. It's like you can't. So 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 somebody quit. so if somebody came to you right now and was like, "We're going to give you forty thousand more than you're making." You're going to be like, "My contract." Yeah, but year. I. But I didn't recruit people to come to my job. I didn't tell people to come work here because I'm going to be here to be their leadership. No, and I their get guidance. what you're saying. It's just That's not realistic. Different. I get what you're saying. It's just not realistic. It's realistic. It was realistic when players couldn't transfer at all. So they had that in place. And, and now it, things and now things have changed. But now because the things have changed. So, so, so basically, hold up. So basically what this boils down to is you're just a little sad that the players get criticized. I ain't sad about that. I'm just saying I think it's BS. It I'm is BS, but it is what it is. And now they can leave. Just these Washington players that you're talking about, the portal is open for them. They're not stuck. I at just Washington. don't want to see. I don't want any exact. They can leave. They got 30 days to make a decision to come on TV talking and about how these what? players guess what? are. The NILs killing it. Guess NIL. What? Guess what? Jimbo Fisher getting paid twenty six thousand dollars a day for the next four <laughs> years. But so guess, but guess I, what? A, these Washington a players catching passes in the league that's getting that kind of money. These Washington players and these Arizona players, these Alabama players, these San Jose State players, because now Arizona then hired San Jose State's coach. Yeah. They have South thirty days to enter the portal. And guess what? They, 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 they got thirty days to enter the portal. And guess what? If they decide to stay, for whatever reason. If they decide to stay, let me give the new coach a chance. Guess what? The portal opens back up in spring. So they can stay there for three or four months if they want, fill out the new coach, be like, yo, I'm not feeling this. And they can leave, they can leave later. So, so like, so like what you're saying. So this conversation is important because what you're saying applied 10 years ago, 15 years ago, but it's not like that anymore. You know what I mean? Like these guys can leave as they please for the most part. You know what I'm saying? Like that's the difference. I just, I just, I just want the criticism to be. I just, I want to shift in the public. <laughs> All right, Micah Parsons. That's it. You, you'll say you that's, want Philly to get criticized too. <laughs> no, I no, I just think I think that the I think the coaches impact. I think the coaches move is more impactful than the player move. I mean, hell, Saban just fucking retired after he told everybody, after he recruited everybody. Like, he didn't go out to the end of his contract that goes to 2031. He just was like, I get it. I'm done. Like, I'm done. I'm retiring. But if you're under contract, you can't do right? You know what I'm saying? Like, going back to what you were saying, if you're under contract, get, you can't do that. I get that my reaction is a little hyperbolic. <laughs> I just don't... <laughs> I just want to preach, like I said, we had the NIL conversation a few weeks right. ago. Right. Whereas, like, the conversation around NIL and the players, without people doing their own research and their own constructive thinking and their own logical thinking, if you just jumped right in to, and you Google coach's opinion of NIL right now, if you just jump right in, you would think that every single player on the team is getting 180 200 $250,000 right. a year right. in every position. And they're not. They're not. But the 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 outrage or the selective outrage for that matter 
would make you think that is way worse. And it's like the real issue is coaches don't like the lack of power they're getting, but it's really limited because we talked about the top 10 people. Five of them are like American legacy kids. Yeah, I was just about to say that. That's what college football is. College football is college football is a microcosm of America. Yeah, like the kids that are getting the most money are like legacy kids. Like each each generation of the least powerful gets it a little bit better, and the power structure can't handle it. And that's where we are with college football: is that the power is starting to swing a little, and it's not even to the point where the players have all the power, but they just have a little bit more rights than they had before. And these dudes are freaking out and can't handle it. Yeah. Like I, I give you an example real quick. Um, before we go into the next topic, I'll try to make it quick. There's, there's a game I heard about. It was, a, I was watching a video on Facebook. It's called like wolves or wolves and villagers or something like that. It's a lot like this game called secret Hitler. I don't know if you ever played this game. It's a it's a strategy game. You play with a group of people. Secret H word, y'all. <laughs> essentially, what it is because it's other different. It's different little antagonists you play as well. But essentially, what happens in Secret Hitler is that you all draw cards for your position. Either you're going to be a fascist, Hitler, or the other the the other party in Germany, like the other political party that was like not uh, against that was against the fascists. But it's like two fascists and one Hitler. So you start the game off. Everyone like closes their eyes. And the person who's Hitler is like a moderator runs the game. Stand, like lift their heads up. And the fascists, and they see who Hitler is. So it's the three people. So then you put your head down. And then you spend the rest of the game trying to can trying to figure out who Hitler is. There's different little things you can do. You can kill people off. Different little strategies you can implement. But essentially what it is is that the argument is that as long as the power base knows who each other are, you're going to always be able to control the masses. So everybody else will argue and you can't just be like, oh, my card says I'm not a fascist. You have to be like you have to be convincing in your argument around the table. Well, the fascist and Hitler, know, we know who you are. So. You just kind of take the personality of one person trying to control it. Like, yo, I'm telling you, he's definitely Hitler. And this guy's a fascist. I know it for sure. So if you're a Hitler or you're a fascist, you know, they got, they're called the wrong person. You can kind of join that guy's camp and you sway the majority of the table. So now everybody's focused over here. Meanwhile, the two fascists and Hitler are just chilling, watching the, the majority eat each other up, i.e. what they did to Jane Daniels. The way people treat Caleb Williams when he decided he didn't want to play and he's crying on silent. Well, he's about to be a number one pick. There's no insurance. Look what happened with uh, Jalen Smith when he got pushed in the back against Ohio State in that bowl game. He went from a top three pick. Uh He went from a top three pick to crying his heart out for being drafted like late in the second round. And And it's still another year to rehab. Yeah, look at him now. He kept playing. He played for a while. He was, you know, he was a stud football player, but. His career was essentially almost over for free. So, but you get the whole, you can get everybody riled up saying, these guys are getting paid. These guys are getting paid. Right. These guys are getting paid. Meanwhile, Jim Mo Fisher getting 25 racks a day to sit at home. Yeah. So yep. there was, there was this that, guy. That's, that's, that's the piece that bothers me most because I, I, I feel like 
internally, I'm more of an advocate for the masses. And I don't like when the masses are getting manipulated. Yeah, that's just like what I was talking about Peacock earlier. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, somebody got to stand up, but the you got to turn is, it off. You can't watch. You can't, you can't watch. You it, watch you know the game. We yeah. got streams. You know, we got streams. You can put that shit on your Xbox or your PlayStation 5. You know what I'm saying? You don't need Peacock, but, you know, it is what it is. So, you know, of course, you know, where basketball season is in full swing right now, watching the Clippers and the Thunder, 93-85 Clippers. You know, Clippers are 22-11. and 11. This is the Harden deal. You know, they uh, are third or, I'm sorry, fourth in the West right now. You know, OKC second in the West right now. You know, uh, somebody said earlier in the crowd that uh, this is a Western Conference Finals preview. So, Mr. Logical, how likely is it that this is a Western Conference preview that we're watching right now? Western Conference Finals preview. Uh, very young team, the very old team being your finals matchup. I mean, we had that last year with Denver and L.A. <laughs> so I'm not saying it's like impossible. Uh I don't know what the odds are. I wouldn't bank on it. Like that would be my betting matchup unless the odds were just really good and I can get paid. Um, I like the Clippers. I just don't know. We're at January 16th, you know, about to roll into the 17th here on the East Coast. I'm not sure how many quality games you're going to get after the All-Star break because you got about 30, you get about 32, 34 games or so at the All-Star break on average. How many quality games you're gonna get with healthy Kawhi, Paul George, Harden? Are they gonna be committed? Can they get you through April and May? That's that's a, that's a long stretch of basketball. It is. You no, know, we're we're like I said, we're in mid January right now. You got to get five more months out of these guys. You know, I trade think OKC is yet. Trade deadline, but it's like. You have. I mean, I think Kawhi just signed like a fifty million dollar year contract the other day. I think it was like three for one twenty nine or something like that. I think it was, I thought it was three for one fifty two. Could have been. Could have been. It was, it, it was something like that because I was thinking about all these fifty million dollar deals that guys are having. Um, See, so yeah, I mean, I like it. I the NBA hasn't really been like on my radar heavily. Like I watched a few games here and there. I watched a lot of Wimby early on. Um. A lot of you know, see the Lakers standings, and I hear people yeah, talking three years 152.3. Yeah, 152.3. So it was like the way they were talking about Kawhi the past couple of years, it makes it sound like he wasn't gonna play three more years. But I'm like, I said, I like that the Clippers are good because they're gonna get their own stadium. I'm still not convinced he can. I mean, maybe, maybe these years of low management, he's you know, he's gotten used to it, maybe he got a good routine. Maybe whatever surgery he had, like you know, really took, and he got you know, it got stronger because he looks, he looks spry. He does. But what always, what's are, always concerning is that he always gets injured right before the playoffs or during the playoffs. They're like freak injuries too. It's weird. It's like yeah. you know, a bump in his, you know, a quad muscles torn. Well, his, well, his knees, well, his knees are like twelve years older than the rest of his body. Well, it still makes him about our age. So you know, <laughs> I'm just saying. That's yeah. That's, that's <laughs> tough. I don't know if I'm. Run up down the court with these knees. <laughs> I might hit the stair step or something. Uh, yeah, yeah. I like it. I, I did talk about this the other day when you and I was talking about like the NBA has a 
like a per I think they just have a personality problem. I don't think they have enough personalities that people who aren't fans holistically of basketball can just attach themselves to. Like, oh, I like this guy. You know, like we like Dominic Wiggins. We like Clyde. Clyde the Glide. They don't have any cool nicknames now. Well, um, unfortunately, one of those guys doll. Well, unfortunately, one of those guys is out for the season. You know, Mr. John Morant. John Morant. Zion Williamson still looks like a 14-year-old out there playing basketball. I'm like, grow a beard. And, Paul like, George tries to have personality. Like, he, he has personality on his podcast, but but when I hear him talking, like, just regular, I'm just like. He seems like a cool dude. He's not polarizing. Yeah, he just seems like a laid back. Like, yeah. He's like, just a cool like a. Dude. And then probably the most polarizing guy is the guy you don't want to hear from a lot. Because, I mean, I like LeBron, but you don't want to hear from that guy all the time. I don't want Kevin to hear Durant about him, really let much. alone hear from him. I like Jeff T. I like, like I said, I like what he's doing. I like Paul George's podcast, but it was kind of weird. I saw a video today and I thought to myself as an old head, there's no way in hell Barkley would be on a podcast talking, describing how he got dunked on with the smile <laughs> on his face. Like, if anything, he would have been like, next time he go up there, I'm going to elbow him right in his ribs. Yeah. Or like, man, why don't you bring that shit up right now? Like, just, just lose all composure in the middle of his show. I was in no man's <laughs> land and Zuba was there. Was like, yeah, you, you were. You were just no man's land. It's like the season's still going on. You can talk about that later. Talk about that when your time's up. Bro. Talk about that when you were. Talk about that at your Hall of Fame speech. Yeah, like, oh, man, it's one time. We all seen the video. This is what really happened. I mean, but like he talked about literally just like last week. You know, it was yeah. a dunk of the century or whatever. Yeah. Uh, so I just I just think that's. NBA, they have, like I said, they have a they have a bit of a personality problem. I don't think people are as intrigued by the matchups anymore because it seems to be all about the playoffs, even from week one. Every all the questions are: Can the Lakers win the championship? Can Boston win? No. The can they Maybe. win a championship? Can they win a championship? But it's like. Can they win 10 of their first 12 games first? Well, Boston's Can got the best record in the weekend? league right now, but we saw what Milwaukee did to them last week. They're 31 and 9 last I looked. Um, yeah. You know, so it's like, you know, and that's the thing is like, you, it's, I just feel as if they don't, they're not doing enough to just really highlight and showcase. Well, well this like is the, the problem. Young talent. This is a problem I think the NBA has as well. They need to borrow from the NFL and they might need to flex something, you know, because like you got a team like Minnesota who's sitting up on top of the West. But how many times have you seen Minnesota this year? I'm not like, I, you know, I mean, I got the super box, you know what I mean? And all that. So like, I can see them. But I'm just talking about like the average fan, like like you know, like is the I'm average talking fan like I'm talking commercials. I'm talking putting them on. Yeah, Anthony TV. Edwards, he's got personality, and he's 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 it. Is him and Ja Morant? I think Ja has a Nike deal, but it seemed like Nike hasn't really done much with him for the suspension. Well, he's had all these issues, yeah. Like, <laughs> but it's like he's still our athlete. James Harden right. has an Adidas deal, and it's like you hardly ever see his, you know, his commercials or you know you got Kawhi bringing new balance back and it's hey, like Steph, Steph got new balance right oh no he's under he's armor under armor but it's like once yeah. again what are you what does your shoe look like what does it look like give me like what it looks like show me give me these guys in personality 
put them in State Farm commercials. Right. Put them in Geico commercials. Put them in bank commercials or just whatever the case may be. It's like you got to do something you, to, you know to showcase your young talent. You know who's caught my eye lately? Don't laugh at me, though. Julius Randle. The New York Knicks. They've caught my eye lately. Ever since they made the trade, they're 6-2. and two. They've held four of their opponents under 100 points. Their pre-Adanobi team had held six teams under 100. So, like, the impact is being felt defensively. Julius Randle has more room to roam without R.J. Barrett being in the way, clogging up the lane and shooting wild shots, doing the Ginobili thing without the success. Even yeah. though, even though R.J. Barrett is shooting 56% since he got to Toronto. So maybe it was a change of scenery thing. He's back home, you know, so maybe that plays a part. You know, uh, word on the street is tonight the Pacers have begun talks with uh, Toronto to try to get Siakam. But now Siakam out here being difficult because he's basically saying that he won't resign with anybody and he wants to be a free agent. I mean, has he had that opportunity before to, to no, really he maximizes? He hasn't, but then people are going to criticize Toronto and say, well, why didn't they come off of Siakam? Cause they can't. <laughs> Siakam is taking the value in the leverage. A la Anthony Davis. When he uh, wanted Anthony to go to Davis. Lakers. Yeah. And you know, Trey, Young, Trey Young's people coming out saying that he wants to play with Wimbenyama. Meanwhile, the Spurs are trying to reunite with DeJounte Murray, who surprisingly to me is on board with that. I think because I've watched a few of these Spurs games, these guys who are more traditional point guards are like, man, I'd be throwing, I'd get 14 assists a game if I had Wimby on my team. Just off of him. Just him cutting to the lane. I'm not even running another play. That's how you know they're a young team because they go through so many stretches where he doesn't touch the ball. It's it was I've seen a few games where I probably was texting you like they really don't. I'm like either he's a bad teammate or they are just so inclined to run the San Antonio system that there's no room for any kind of ad lib to it. Whereas, well, like, that's what happens when you, you got like a 75 year old coach, right? <laughs> yeah, you talk about the triangle and the Kobe will break down the triangle about how it just moves. And it's not all about me just shooting all the shots. It's about creating space by moving. So like, there's always two or three things you can do. Like you can shoot, you can pass, you can cut through here. And then you just read, you just move the triangle when you cut. So it has a lot of nuance and variance to it. So you can pop off of that. It seems like the San Antonio system is very like just not a lot of flair to it. Hence why a lot of guys like Steven Jackson, Kawhi Leonard, DeJounte Murray, right. a lot of those guys that that have that I want to get in my bag and showcase what I can do talent don't really thrive there. Like James Harden would never work with Popovich. Oh, not even close. Not even close. Whereas but, uh... he was where he was the 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 pinnacle of basketball success with Dan Tony. So I think it might be a situation where maybe you get, you get a just traditional point guard in there. I'm not sure how Trey Young works for pop, 
Because I don't know if he's a Tony Parker type of point guard with Pop, or right. he's, is he still more like that AI and Wimby is the Kimbo, the Timbe Matumbo kind right. of position where you're just the big man who benefits off the fact that you have a smaller score that's creating space. Right. And quick mini, get it off my chest. <laughs> you know. got a lot of those today. Yeah. So Chicago, what the hell is wrong with you? Why are y'all out here treating Mrs. Krause like this and her kids? Like, I get it. Jerry had a bad or y'all had a like up and down relationship with Jerry Cross, Jerry Krause. But I will tell you this. You ain't been shit since he left. Now, granted, granted. Michael Jordan, Jordan left, left as well. You know what yeah. I mean? <laughs> but I you think know, that might have played a tiny factor. Oh, oh, it definitely did. I'm but give it Michael Jordan, but Michael Jordan didn't bring somewhere Scottie between Pippen 23 and 45 percent. Michael Jordan didn't bring Scottie Pippen in when Scottie Pippen was some young dude that went to Central Arkansas that had long arms. He didn't take that chance on Scottie Pippen. Jerry Cross did that. You know, uh, Michael Jordan didn't go higher. Phil Jackson, Jerry Krause did that. Last I checked, Michael Jordan didn't win a title until Jerry Krause did that. So I get it. It didn't end well. He did the whole thing where I don't care if we go 82-0. and 0, This is the last season. I get it, the whole last dance. Yeah. You know what I mean? But It was idiotic. It was stupid. I don't but leave, his was wife, but leave his wife, leave the wife and kids out of it. You know, um, like I know, I know um, Kelly Stafford made some comments as well about how Detroit was booing her and the kids. Uh, I don't know their relationship with Detroit. I know Matthew loved Detroit. But All I don't kids know. were born in Detroit. Yeah, I don't know their relationship. But, but but when I saw that the fans were just treating Jerry Krause's wife like that, I was just like, bruh, y'all would be lucky if another Jerry Krause walked through your door. But we know fan is short for fanatic. Yeah. Yeah. That ain't all it's short for, but I'm gonna stop there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, but but yeah, um, so so um are the T Wolves for real? They are number one in defensive rating, they're number four in net rating, and they're number six in true shooting percentage. So they are the best team in the West right now. You know, uh Cat missed a lot of last year, so it was easy to say this doesn't work, but now we have an emotion. And it's working. So yeah. I thought it was going to work. Even when people said it wasn't going to work, I was like, it's going to work because nobody, I won't say nobody else. They still had outside threats and outside presence and outside ball handlers. And then you had a seven foot guy that can shoot and a seven one or seven foot guy that can, you know, Russ is just incredible. Yeah. And, and a seven foot guy that, that, that could defend the rim. So I just, I think this 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 expectation that oh you need that to be able to spread the floor no big man is like listen I'd rather go down there and get a guy that's shooting 60 61% around the rim or a guy that can defend on the other side I know guys are shooting a lot of threes but everyone's not good at it right. so a lot of the starters aren't great shooters across the league it's a lot of specialty guys but it's not a lot of guys in starting fives that are shooting over 40% from 3 Consi right. Even Steph doesn't shoot that well from three consistently. And when he goes cold, 
there's no there's no alternative for the team because they're like, oh, we built everything around this concept of shooting the three. We saw right. it happen with Houston with James Harden. It's like I get that the three point, like the number three points is more than two, but everybody doesn't have the personnel. The Lakers don't have shooters. It's a lower the percentage Knicks, shot. The still. Knicks were always pretty bad at because Thibodeau, like those kind of coaches, just don't really have a three point offensive bag in there. The Spurs right. don't shoot that shoot the three very well. Yeah, the Knicks already gave up Emmanuel quickly, and now they're shopping Quentin Grimes too. So you know that's two shooters potentially out the door right there. And you know, uh, so here's here's the uh, thing. I know you're mad at me because usually I have a pop quiz for you. Yes, here, but I had to save it for late in the show. <laughs> so the Lakers have played 18 games since the end season tournament. What's their record? Seven and eleven. Six and twelve. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and it doesn't like so as I was thinking about this, because I'm trying to figure sounds out sounds way better than six and twelve. It does, doesn't it? It, it, sounds, it sounds like it does. you know, it's like they only had a couple of bad games, and you know, I mean, if, couple, I mean at worst, at worst it makes like, me think about slurpees. Yeah, that's whereas 30, I think about Slippies. Yeah, that's the, that's a thirty three percent win percentage, but seven and eleven yeah. just it just feels like a way better eighteen game stretch in six. You know, uh, Gabe Vincent, you know, should be back. Um, so uh, Achimura is back. You know, so they got that going for him. But it's the same problem. And then as you know, they can't shoot. And then as we listen to all these rumors, you know, it's like Dejounte Murray and this type of it's. You're still not addressing your problem. Like the, the point of a yeah. trade is to improve in an area where you may be lacking. You know, like getting DeJounte Murray, if that happened, it, now. it would not help you out at all in that arena. You know, like they're they're the ones that maybe should look at a Trey Young, even though I don't I mean, obviously that ain't a you know what I mean, that type of player. Yeah. You know, we talked about Zach Levine outside of his health. He would provide shooting and give the defense somebody to think about. Max Christie is supposed to be a shooter, you know, but he's still young. So, you know, Austin Reeves, I guess, like, he'll hit a shot if he just wants to touch his arm, I guess, you know. But, yeah. like, 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 but the Lakers don't have anybody that the defense should fear. So, like, for the fact that they made the Western Conference Finals last year should be saluted. You know, with the yeah. deficiencies that they had, because what they were able to do is that if Clay Thompson shoots the ball better, like I don't, I don't know if it's a slump, I don't know if it's injuries, I don't know if it's age, I don't know if it's just a matter of retirement, but it just all of the above. It used it used to be like the way I would feel like Drew Brees throwing a pass on third and seven. I just felt like he was going to convert that against Atlanta. Every time third and seven, the ball leave his hand. I'm just expecting Henderson or Colston or Kamara or somebody just to be wide open. Just Ted Ginn is somebody just wide open, third and seven, 12 yard gain, first down New Orleans. That's hey, Lakers, how I, I Lakers, feel Mavs, with, Lakers, Mavs, ESPN tomorrow. Might have to check that out. I still think they should have done they should have done a little bit more to get Kyrie from Brooklyn. I think because you you would have been able to keep LeBron, you'd have been able to keep AD, and then with 
guys like Kyrie. I think Kyrie can handle the the star making, the star play making role with LeBron on the bench. I would have given up whatever realistic pieces that, that I could have given up, but not just give up the whole lot to get Kyrie. But I, I felt like you you they should have done something like that because they were trying to nickel and dime it and hope they could bring in Hachimura and Jackson Hayes and those other guys. It's like you need to make a splash and then backfill it the way the Clippers did. Maybe some mm-hmm. get some young talent, but you keep D'Angelo Russell that any given night, like he's he's he was the number two overall. Is pick. he uh is he hurt he's now? Never, I can't have him check the stats. I, saw, I remember I saw, that I saw the, the last the, thing I read about him. It was that the Lakers they they conferred with each other to uh, to, for him to go to the bench. They conferred. Yeah, with I saw, I saw the play against Toronto in that game last week where he kind of pulled up. Yeah, but he came but, back uh, in the game. Okay, he came okay. back in that game. Okay, okay. Yeah. Uh, I hadn't seen. I didn't see their game against OKC last night. Um, but but yeah, like I, I still maintain that. Speaking of OKC, I still maintain that OKC should not make a deal. I think they should just let it ride out this season. Let it ride, yeah, yeah. Um, I think that Minnesota is still a year away, just based off of experience. You know, Cat um, doesn't want to play all series, but the experience. I, I get that argument. If the older teams weren't old teams right so it's like if you're playing against the 2016 golden state warriors and or we'll go to 2017 golden state warriors they're an experienced team but they're just a little older than the right. younger team i think now a lot of the more experienced teams are just old no, no, I get that, but what I mean and by I, that, I is... think I think Minnesota can steal. I think they can steal a game. Yeah, they could beat the Lakers in the series. They could be youth and athleticism. Yeah, they could beat the Lakers in the series. They could beat, you know, some playing team. But when I say that, I'm thinking more so along the lines of if challenging Denver. Like Denver. Yeah, challenging somebody like Denver. And I, and I think I think you could you could really put the challenge on Denver because Michael Porter Jr. Is still hit or miss. I think he's still sometimes you can leave him open. Aaron Gordon is an athletic threat, but if you just let him dribble the ball too much, if he dribbles the ball more than five seconds, he's gonna turn it over. <laughs> Jalen Brown just, style. It's, yeah, it's just, it's just not what he does. It's just Jokic, yeah, Jokic does control the floor, but you have, for lack of a better word, a few blueprint games of how you can beat Denver with a even with Jokic. And this is like I said, it's a Steve Nash conundrum where you just basically let him get his, let him shoot the ball 27 times and get 44 points, but keep the assist under four. Uh-huh. Keep, the, keep the assist under five. Yeah, if we saw go, that tonight. If you go 44, 16, and four, you're probably going to win that game by eight. Yeah, we saw that tonight. You know, not the 44, but the low assist. And the low assist, but I think he was like nearly 30 points, double digit rebounds. Yeah, eleven six. offensive rebounds at one point. You know, because then you know he likes to, he likes to get the assist. He likes that. He likes to throw that the no look bounce pass. He likes to run the break. He but threw one behind his head tonight. <laughs> he loves it. But if, if 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 on the break, if you just run to the shooters, 
and just make him dribble it all the way up the court and fight whoever is going to defend him at the rim, especially if you have a big man that comes off the bench, you give up six fouls right. and just make him like you, you're running a fast break. Cool. You're not going to be able to get his ball up. You got to run a whole 94 feet dribbling his basketball all game long. And you're going to have 44 points, but you're going to go, you can get 26, 27 shots. You'll get the rebounds because you're going to get some of your misses because you're going to be at the rim, but we're not going to let you kick it out. We're going to make you put it right back up. And that's yeah, what interested. the Lakers, Lakers had one game like that. And I think who was it? in in the NBA finals last year that I think Miami had a game where I think it was game two where he had three assists, mm. but he had like 40 something points, but he shot like 28 shots. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm interested in seeing Cleveland versus Milwaukee tomorrow night on ESPN as well. Just from the standpoint of Cleveland has been surprising me with how well they've played without Mobley and Garland. So um, I know last week we were talking about, I think it was last week we were talking about, should they trade Donovan Mitchell? I still think the answer to that question is yes, because I just don't know if you could keep a star in Cleveland. Um, but, um, you know, Mobley is a all-NBA defense type dude. You know, Garland, the only problem is, is that I think that Garland and Mitchell kind of intersect in some ways that like they end up being the same dude at times. And like Mitchell just jumps higher. Yeah. And we, you don't want, I don't say you don't want that. You would want that in a Kawhi Paul George frame. Right. Cause like they, that four, three or four extra inches. Jalen Brown Tatum. Yeah. Jalen Brown Tatum. Like, okay, I got a six, eight guy and a six, seven guy that can kind of do the same thing, but they can do multiple things that impact the game. Whereas I'm not sure if Donovan Mitchell, what he's doing for you defensively. Right. On a switch or just getting in the passing lane. I don't think he's like abnormally lengthy. I think he's just athletic. He's only like yeah, I think he's stocky and strong, but right. if you have two guys like that, it's okay. You don't you don't stress my defense because it's just I just put the same guy on each one of you, so right. I can switch the same guy onto you. Whereas like Paul George and Kawhi is like I don't have two or three guys on the floor, and you and James Harden like six five, mm-hmm. you know, willing willing to shoot, willing to take contact. It's like I don't have three defenders that I could run at these three guys all at one time. I don't have right. three guys that I don't have two guys on my team that I can run at Tatum and Brown consistently all game. Right. I'm going to be, I'm going to be in a mismatch somewhere. Either I'm going to put a bigger guy on Tatum and he's going to have the speed matchup or I put a smaller guy on him and maybe he won't be as quick, but then now you switch to the post up. Right. Same thing with Jalen Brown. Oh, what's this rivals week? Oh, NBA's trying some things. Yeah, Rivals Week. Yeah. You know, they already got that. LeBron's dunk in the highlight package. I saw that. Yeah. So I guess through the from January 23rd to 27th, teams are going to play their rivals. This is the second time they're doing it. So there you go. But yeah, so, so the NBA is in full swing. We're getting close to the all-star break. So therefore the trade deadline is coming up. 
I mentioned Siakam, you know, talk uh, in talks potentially with the Pacers. Um, it looks like Atlanta has made Jalen Johnson unavailable, which makes sense to me, you know. But at this point, <clears throat> who is a contender, or I shouldn't say a contender, but just yes. a team that's in the playoff or like near the playoff that could be a contender that you feel needs to make a move? It doesn't have to be a specific player, but just who's missing something. Because when I look at Philly, I, I I was looking at the Philly game today, and I was talking about the rebounds, and I was like, I don't know if they have the size because Embiid, Embiid can't chase every rebound because right. he's the offensive powerhouse on the other end. So Jokic, I said, was getting. He was getting rebounds, and they were getting a lot of second-chance shots. I think one possession, they got like two or three shots up. Mm-hmm. Tobias Harris is a big body, but I don't know if he's necessarily like a rebounder. Batoon is there, but he – not. I think it's not Batoon. Um, not Batoon's there. Yeah, Batoon. Yeah, my bad. For, I was looking at Mason Plumley. He looks like, you know, super light. <laughs> uh, and they had the same jersey on. But he's, you know, he's a, an older player. There's only so much he can really do. So if they can make a move to maybe get some muscle out of one of these teams that's losing, maybe you throw a couple of future draft picks at Detroit and get one of their big men off the bench. I know somebody uh, I was reading uh, suggested Kuzma, but but, but like, I also think – What are you going to get, though? Like the, when you trade for Kuzma, what are you going to get? Are you going to get like a real cerebral player? Are you going to get like – you, do you, I don't. Do you, I don't like it. I don't like it because you lose. You're if you're going to lose Tobias Harris's shooting to make that happen, Kuzma doesn't bring enough back for you to give that up. You know, I think, and, I think role players are important. I think everybody's trying to trade and get stars. It's like get some role players. Get some guys that get some real three and D guys. Get some guys that will come out there. Like Iguodala talked about at the tail end of his career, he was like, I knew I was only getting two shots a game if I was getting any at all. Right. So I had to lock in defensively because I know I'm only going to get a couple of shots. Right. P.J. Tucker. P.J. Tucker would go no shots all game long. We'll have five fouls, but impact the game more than the guy who dropped. I have six or seven rebounds, you know, yeah. Seven rebounds, close out. Bad shots cause a turnover here, there uh-huh. that doesn't count as a steal. Just, just that tipping the ball and just, just that, you know, that relentlessness. And I think well, a lot of a lot of teams need guys like that, and they they hardly ever make trades for them. Like Siakam well, gonna be a good pickup, but you gotta you gotta go to a team that's willing that's able to resign him. Well, well, to your point about Philly, that's how I feel about Sacramento as well. Like I feel like Sacramento's missing something because Harrison Barnes is obviously a year older. He's not the player that he was in Golden State early in his career, you know. But he still gets minutes, and they aren't playing your guy. Are you watching this OKC game? Yeah, I just saw Paul George hit the tray, but then my TV froze real quick. Okay, once it comes back, you'll see. This is why I hate the three point shot. And uh, yeah, all right, it's back now. Watch it. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> just but 
Shoot the open three. Just because, yeah. Um, and I think now that... Now you challenge, my bad. And, 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 and I think that uh, they aren't playing your guy a lot, Davion Mitchell. So if you're not going to use him, you might as well trade him and get something that you will use. Because analytics tell you you can't use a 6-1 and 6-2 guy. But I'm like, if he has a dog in him... Right. If he... If you got a Pat Bev kind of guy, you need that guy. Pat Bev, like I say, we talked about it before, dropped 37, after 37 points in high school in Chicago. Right. And the there somewhere. He just plays defense. And yeah. sometimes that's all you need. You just need people. He was to giving do the Warriors fit job. last year. He was giving the Warriors fits last he year. He was giving Kevin Durant fits when he played for the Clippers. And, so, and he's like, he still got 50 points. He's like, not like we didn't try to stop him. It's just oh, I was talking about Davion Mitchell. Yeah, like uh, yeah, but Davion, like yeah. I'm saying, like that, that, that kind of yeah. like that, yeah. that matchup, you know. So I just feel as if teams they want to swing for the fences, which is fine, but you need to manufacture some stuff in though. You need to manufacture second chance points, you need to manufacture. Uh, good defensive standing. You need to manufacture the opportunity so you can get the offensive rebound kick out for the X, for the open three point shot. Yeah, you might run the set where the guy gets the opportunity at the three, but the scramble for the rebound is where every all the jumbling, all that happens. Right. So you get a PJ Tucker scrambling, gets the ball back in. Now defense is out of position because two or three of them are trying to get the rebound. Now you get an open three. Yeah, dog, you you gonna lose this challenge? And then, and then last, and then last thing for me, you know, Bulls. I'm not picking on the Bulls, but Bulls. Bulls if you want to trade Zach, if you want to trade Zach Levine, just move. do it. Just do it. Like we we saw what Atlanta ended up getting for John Collins after years of pissing around and not making the move. You know, so you might as well just get it over with. You're going to not get. You're not going to get what you think you deserve for him because everybody knows it been no time leverage. for him to go. Yeah. You so, have so, no leverage. If I know you lost <laughs> your driver's license, you got to sell the card and pay your court fees. I'm not going to give you the 15000 you asked for. Yeah, just, just call I'm Miami. Just call Miami, get Kyle Lowry and something, and just move on while you can. You know what I'm saying? But, yo, on that note, he is. World famous, New Jersey's own, your, by way of VA, your mythological. Born in Texas, I am. I am born in Baltimore. Went through <laughs> the went through the winters of Alaska. Aaron, Aaron, the Iron, Iron. You know what I'm saying? saying? <laughs> Aaron, Aaron, the Iron, Iron. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> San Antonio, Alamo, come take it. Two five. We are Sports Reports is ordered, and we'll be back on Thursday with picks. You know, it is the, the divisional round. We're getting close to the championship weekend in the Super Bowl. I can't wait. I'm excited. And I'm also excited to tell you, America, that we love you. So like, subscribe, share, get your, grandma, your grandma on the game. Modest. You know what I'm saying? All that. With your grandma glance. See you in a few <laughs> days. Peace. <laughs>